This podcast is an excerpt from the book Path to Navalagalau, written by Katrina Mitchell. Episode 3, 1998, Czech Republic. The following summer before I started college, John and I decided to go to Prague for a summer language program offered at Charles University. We first landed in Berlin and decided to stay for a few days and then take the train to Prague. The small commuter jet swooped down and landed with a thump on the runway. We had had a layover in Brussels and switched planes, which was delayed several hours. John and I walked through the terminal of the small airport in Berlin to find that our luggage didn't make the flight. There were no exchange places open, and we couldn't find an ATM. In the middle of the night, we tried to find our way to our hostel. We walked to the train, and then couldn't figure out a way to buy tickets with no cash. We saw a police officer on the platform and asked, Is there a way to buy tickets with a debit card? We don't have any cash. He said, It's best on the honor system, so don't worry about it. We got off on our stop and looked at a map to try to navigate where to go. We saw that there was a shortcut through a large park, so we walked through it. It was pitch black, and I felt scared, like we had made a big mistake. After walking for almost ten minutes in the middle of this huge park, we heard mysterious chanting, and saw about ten people with candles sitting in a circle doing something strangely spiritual. We quickly and quietly proceeded through the park in the darkness and finally made it to our hostel after one hour of walking. Berlin seemed like a soulless city and I was eager to get to Prague. We took the train from Berlin to our apartment in the Prague 5 suburbs. The train through the Czech countryside was my favorite part. I looked out the window at the expansive fields of bright yellow sunflowers, which they used as their primary source of cooking oil. We saw several castles, and I couldn't help but think about being a princess back in the day when Prague used to be the capital of Bohemia. The Czech people have always considered themselves to be the heart of Europe, although Europe has turned their back on the Czech people more than once. The Czech story is a fascinating one. After World War I and the destruction of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, Czechoslovakia was created. Prague, a modern industrial city at the time, was considered one of the finest in Europe, primarily made of Czech people, Germans, and Jews. After reading about Czech culture and speaking to locals in Prague, I discovered people hated the Nazis and the Soviets. Both essentially destroyed their vibrant, modern society as an influential Central European city. I was fascinated by many photography exhibits about the Prague Spring, which was a massive effort by the public to democratize, followed by a ruthless Soviet crackdown. Educated intellectuals threatened the Soviet regime and were given hard labor jobs. 
Lakav Havel was a writer, philosopher, and political dissident, and the first president of the Czech Republic. He was imprisoned multiple times, forced to do hard labor, but was instrumental in the Velvet Revolution, which led to the fall of the Soviets in Czechoslovakia. He also helped dismantle the Warsaw Pact, expand NATO membership eastward, and create the Czech Republic. Learning about Czech culture, it was no surprise that a playwright was the Czech Republic's first president. Prague was a center of art and culture, I discovered. All forms of music were important, particularly opera and classical, and the theater was revered. The society did have some growing pains adjusting to westernization, however. There was a certain level of egalitarianism during communism, and people from Romania, or gypsies as they were called, were facing a lot of discrimination in the new system. Newspapers also discussed issues regarding modernizing the economy and reducing the welfare state, which was deeply unpopular at the time. We walked up the hill into the beautiful neighborhood lined with green trees and mansions. We would take a short metro ride to Old Town, and our class was in a 14th century building with Gothic faces looking down at the entrance. Old Town Prague hadn't been overtaken by Western franchises yet, and was preserved since it hadn't been bombed as much as other cities during World War II. We would walk through the Jewish ghetto, and the entire area had cobblestone streets, cafes, bars, the sound of music echoing through the streets. Prague was Mozart's chosen home, and classical music was beloved in the city. People would often sing in Old Town, and the sound would bounce off the old buildings, transporting you back to an earlier time. Much of Europe was destroyed in World War II, but Prague was different since Europe decided to give up Prague to the Nazis without a fight. The Jews in Prague suffered greatly as a result, and the history of the Holocaust was ever-present. The first afternoon we arrived, we walked through the city to the Vatava River and watched the small boats in the golden glistening water. Green trees lined the river, couples were holding hands and kissing, birds were chirping, and there was a warm breeze of about 70 degrees. Among the several beautiful bridges in the city, the Charles Bridge was the most impressive and usually packed with people taking pictures with the fantastic statues that aligned the sides about every ten feet. Prague felt magical, and I still feel that it's the most romantic city I've ever been to. John and I felt a strong romantic connection in the picturesque old town where we spent most of our time. The class was the most interesting part of the trip. The ten of us attempted to learn the Czech language every afternoon, which was no small feat. There was one South African guy, and everyone else was German except for us. Most were from East Germany, but a few were from West Germany. Previously, I hadn't understood the cultural differences between East and West Germans, but they undoubtedly existed. At that point, Germany hadn't been unified that long. We stuck out like sore thumbs in every way. John was a loud American, and I wore bright colors and was flirtatious, and just stuck out. I had long hair, and the only other girl in the class had a buzz cut. 
I developed an irresistible crush on our handsome Czech teacher, but I didn't think that anyone noticed. I thought I was too young to be settled down. The Germans seemed to learn that language with no problem, but we Americans were totally hopeless, fulfilling the stereotype that Americans are just stupid anyways. The best part of the class was the evening excursions to various bars. My favorite one was one on a hilltop near the castle. It was in a park with grass and trees, and there was just a beer stand with an amazing view of the city below. Czech people had a tradition where everyone would go to the countryside to their cottages on the weekend, so the city became deserted except for tourists. By the end of the summer, I was in love with the city and grown close to my classmates. The South African guy, Will, was an eccentric white filmmaker and was trying to learn Trek to launch his film career in Prague. He said, There's a thriving independent film scene here. Why do you want to be a filmmaker? Will said. The last thing I did with my dad before he passed on was to go to the movies. It's interesting that when we got into the movies, the sun was out and shining. And in the last scene of the movie, it was raining. When we got out, it was raining too. So I felt that God was telling me something. And from then on, Will wanted to change people's lives through the art of cinema. Interestingly, the East Germans and Czechs rolled their eyes at the story because of the God reference. Lack of religion was a byproduct of communism. One day in class I asked, Why is God sometimes lowercase in Czech? The teacher grinned at the question. Hmm, because some people spell it with a lowercase. I wasn't religious, but I had a different perspective growing up in the U.S. It became apparent to me for the first time that growing up in the U.S., we were a more religious society culturally than other places. This was the first time I had spent a lot of time with John, and I started to question if he was the one for me. The experience put us in many new uncomfortable situations, and I tended to fill awkward moments with loud American comments that at times seemed misplaced and insensitive. We did have magical experiences that couldn't be forgotten. One Sunday, we were walking through Old Town and it started raining. I was wearing a long, flowy white dress, which had become see-through. The Charles Bridge was deserted due to the rain, so we ran across it, touching the statues, which was considered good luck. We kissed passionately, and both felt overwhelmed with emotion. Despite these bonding moments, I felt like I didn't want to be with an American. I wanted to be immersed in a different culture and country. And I thought having an American boyfriend held me back from doing that. I felt conflicted, but I did love him. I would have to think long and hard about an exit plan. This podcast is a production of Culture Junkie Press and an excerpt from the book Path to Nablagala, written by Katrina Mitchell. Thank you to Arsenio Ndev for the music.